0: All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. I'm Matt Pravotsky, alongside our guest for today, the Gopher Soccer Head Coach, Aaron Chastain. And Aaron, we started the show off on a hugely successful note. We're, we're two minutes late specifically because we got a key task done, and so we're gonna we're gonna be completely free of stress. You got the registration you needed to get done for a kid. We're we're ready to roll. Positive vibes.
1: It's amazing the multitasking we have to do as working parents. So, you know, camp enrollment, noon, she's in. We don't
0: and we do not mess around. We don't yeah. we do not take risks with that. We just do what needs to be done. That's that's yeah. what we do.
1: 100%. But thanks for having me and I I feel like um I feel like everyone might tune into Sarah Fuller over me at one thirty, but um I might tune in for that too.
0: I think I think what's more likely, I bet Sarah Fuller is like, you know what, I should watch this show that Aaron Chastain is on. I need to, I need to hear, I need to hear more about this coach, this yeah. this local coach that I'm going to see. And she's like, you know what, I need to impress her at games, so I need to get a, a catch of her vibe. Who knows? Yeah.
1: You know? I will say that coming into the office today, so two good things for for Minnesota soccer in general is seeing that Kens is going to play for the Aurora and just yep. signed, which she's going to be such an awesome addition. She mm-hmm. she was one of those players, you know, you only get them for one year, and you wish wish you got them for all four, right. but. Luckily she went out on a real high note on a personal level, just in terms of playing oh. right back and being all region and yeah. being such a great leader for our team. Um, and then I got some fun new swag
0: Oh, there we a, go
1: for the Aurora team. So Work I'm going to be decked out for those games. And I got, I think I got some, and we were talking about yeah. what a cool logo and colors scheme and everything. Although I like my gopher gear better, but I do like that.
0: Well, and of course we have you know, the gopher tie-in that Ali Renke, gopher soccer alum, led the branding process for Aurora. So that's so cool. I I, I mentioned to you that I met Ali Renke originally when I very poorly played futsal near her. And so that's when that's when we met. I was getting nutmegged by ten year olds all day. <laughs> she and other gopher alums were on the team, equal time paid for the the registration, and then I just get embarrassed for like six straight hours. It's a great it's a great payoff. It's a great. Yeah. payoff. Well, Aaron, it has been. It's been a while since we've had you on the show, and especially, you know, it's so funny. We're all of a sudden into February. Your players are actually back for spring season, but I'm actually, you know, there was there was a ton of sort of exciting sort of moments for the program even right after the season ended, where you have a bunch of returning uh, seniors coming back for their fifth year. You mentioned Kenzie Langdok d- used her COVID fifth year of eligibility last fall, and you have a ton of seniors coming back for their fifth year. So I think, you know, Kenna, Kenna Beisman, Meg Gray, Delaney Stecker, Elena Dressley, a nice graphic went up from the program. But, you know, this is such a new phenomenon with, you know, there being a fifth year, how do teams use it? How do you even like on the transactional side, like, quote unquote, pay for like having players come back? It's a whole jumble. But for your from your perspective, how did those conversations go? You know, did you when did you bring it up with those seniors? How did, you know, how did, was everyone just slam dunk? We're all coming back. You know, how did those conversations go to get those big impact players to return for next season?
1: Yeah. Well, first I'll say I'm, I'm so happy that they're returning for another year next fall. They're pretty incredible young women and, they had an incredible impact on our on our team this year. And I can only imagine what that impact will be next year. But um they were all kind of different conversations, you know. I think, you know, Elena had torn her ACL, and so that was a totally individual conversation about what do you want to do? Um and then you know, I think from from the perspective of of Laney and Kenna, th- we had those during the season, and they they kind of both decided that they'd come back. And Meg and I didn't really chat about it ever. We right. I kind of joked with her. Um, she had gotten accepted into PT school, and um, so that was always the plan. She was going to finish this year and go into PT school, and I. I think I said a couple times in in a warm up like Meg Gray, you sure you don't want to come back for another year? But knowing that she was doing PT right. school and we were fully supportive, and then um, I think the last weekend of the year, I got a text from her right before we did kind of a senior dinner that said, "Hey, I just want to chat with you sometime about." about a potential fifth year and I, w- I was floored. I was like, uh, yeah, that's a no brainer. Who wouldn't take Meg Gray on their team for yeah. another year? And and then we ended up uh, chatting and then she kind of told the team after our last game against Nebraska. And so all kind of different journeys to get there, but such a great group to, to have right. back.
0: Right. Well, yeah, Meg, Meg Gray, probably the only person in the world who would be more excited about Meg Gray coming back than you would be me. I'm like I the president of the Meg Gray fan club the, it's, uh, that it's that that group and it's all big contributors. You only really, quote unquote, lost one one player who could have theoretically come back. And Patricia is going to be down in Louisville, which will be fun to see how she does down there. Um, but yeah, four returners. Honestly, the squad is going to be it's going to be pretty crowded, going to make some of those younger players earn it. And speaking of some of those younger players, you also announced, you know, your your freshman class last fall. I think it was five players. Um, lots of sort of fun Minnesota names. We had Alma on uh, who's, you know, her mom played for the program back back in the 90s. And then, you know, so many other sort of cool players coming in. But talk about that, you know, incoming incoming group, because to me, I have like a million questions for how that even came together. You get hired, you know, last summer, obviously for folks who follow the, our, our shows and your program, recruiting starts years before players come on campus. So there's probably this weird mix of like players were already committed, but then they have to decide if they want to play for you. You have to decide if you want to keep them. And there's this weird dance. And then by the way, the season is starting in like two seconds. And so all those things come together. So talk about sort of firming up that incoming class uh, and what that process was like.
1: Yeah, it's a good class. I, I think it's um, the class is a little different than what it was when I got hired mm-hmm. um, because of some of those processes that you go right. through. But I think, you know, we had individual conversations with all the players and with a couple new players and just making sure we, we were all on the same page in terms of, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here at Minnesota and how they fit into that and what we see their role being. Um, so we're really excited about the group. We actually have one of our, um, an early enrollee in yeah. Amelia here. Um, so that's been really fun and she's going to be a great addition and I'm excited for the other freshmen to join, um, in August and, and, and you know, really, I think, have a deeper group than what we had last year in terms of um, players that can contribute at a really high level. And, you know, obviously, that was an area we identified as, you know, we just didn't have a lot of numbers. And that was kind yep. of the hand we were dealt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think the team stepped up in so many different ways with that challenge. But obviously, as a coach, you look forward to to kind of some new additions and what our new group looks like. And um, and then we have this great core current group.
0: Right. Well, and you mentioned Amelia being okay. on campus. We are in like the the deep throes of the sister era and go for soccer program. You have the Harper sisters, the Brown sisters. Um, and so we're 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 in the mix. Let's see how long this era progresses. We'll have to keep finding younger siblings of these of these current ballers that you have. But speaking of growing the numbers. You know, we had a couple of your transfers on the show earlier a few weeks back, too. So um, Gabby Cesseroni and Sophia Romine. And it was and I, I don't know if more transfers are in the works. Aaron, you are always free to break news live on the show. So you can you can always feel free to just mention that there's other commits. Just always cut me off and mention those. Um, but otherwise, you know, when we had Sophia and Gabby on, I found it really interesting that they, at least from the player perspective, were two very different sort of transfer processes. So, you know, Gabby is like this player who mentioned even for her undergrad, she like chose academic first and then chose the soccer program. She did the same thing with her, you know, her recent transfer portal experience. And then Sophia seemed more, I think what people assume a transfer portal experience is, is like where you just say, I'm putting my name in, like we'll see where my opportunities are and I'll sort of go through the process. And so from your perspective, you know, how did those go? Because we heard from them sort of what their experience was, but from your perspective, um, you know, what did those conversations, how'd they start and then how did they progress?
1: Well, I think the one commonality in both is the amount of information we had on both players from a lot of different people that I trust. Um, So, you know, Gabby obviously, Having played, grown up playing in Illinois, I knew her as a youth player. And yeah. then her WashU U assistant coach played for me at DePaul. So right. I think, um, you know, the transfer portal is, I think, overwhelming, right? <laughs> and there's so many players in there. And, you know, for us, it, we wanted to be really intentional about who we are bringing into our program and, you I think the way you do that is just by gathering as much information as you can to make sure that it's going to be a right fit, soccer-wise and and right. off the field. So, so that was you know, same Sophia. I rec- tried to recruit at DePaul, and it was kind of a long shot for me right. to get her, but um, I loved her as a youth player, and then I just know a lot of people who knows her who know her, and I know her club coach really well, and right. So I knew both would be really good fits and and they're they're proving that they are already in mm-hmm. in training and within our team and off the field and on the field. So so they've been really great additions. Um Gabby obviously we did her recruiting process in August and yeah. so she took her visit and got to see us train and and got to kind of hang out with the group and and then she kind of went her through her methodical process of Mm -hmm. choosing and we were really excited she chose minnesota and then sophia i you know i think i was the first coach that reached out to her Uh because right when her name went in the portal i was like oh that's a kid that i think would be a great addition and and then we talked on the phone i talked to her parents and she came on a visit and everything kind of went it went pretty quickly Mm -hmm. with her um i think just because we knew that it was going to be a great fit
0: right well and you you mentioned sort of knowing Sophia from her time as a youth player up in Michigan and she obviously played for you know a big time club there whatever and if you land at Wisconsin you're probably a pretty well known recruit for the region whatever but then you also get to see her this last fall yeah. and of course and of course you weren't coaching the team in the spring when she scored to level things against Minnesota I think I think that was the What her her dagger into Minnesota uh, fans' hearts, but you you then did get to see her sort of on opposing sides, and so you've seen her in so many of these phases of her career. Where do you think she can be helpful for the squad? And I guess I should say, Gabby, we sort of know what she she's a defender, and so it's there's a little less of a a fit question because we sort of know where she might land up. But for Sophia,
1: um, yeah, I mean, I think I don't know what formation we'll be in. I think it'll depend on our personnel and. Um, kind of how everyone comes in, but she certainly can play, she could play up top in a two front, she could play up top in a three front. Mm-hmm. Um, she can play wide in the midfield if we're in a four four two or she can play in the midfield in a four three three. So I think some nice versatility. I think what you will see from her is she's got a just a, a great soccer IQ. She's a great dribbler. she mm-hmm. sees the game well. she's super creative. she combines well and she's really, really feisty. So I think she'll she'll really fit into our group nicely.
0: Right, and well, and you mentioned, you know, the formation is always a little in flux because it's like, how do people grow over the spring? If we try something, does it work? Blah, 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 all those reasons. I guess my only very direct question is, are we gonna see any press, Aaron? You You know that I'm always gonna ask you about the press. Are we gonna see any press?
1: Well, I think if you've got Kenna Beisman on your team, you're going to see a little bit of press. So, um,
0: Kenna certainly had games where she was doing her own sort of havoc defense, one woman press for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'm I'm sure you'll see a little bit of that. I think the nice part is coming in in July, and and then the season starts, and and you know the rhythm of our season with the Thursday Sunday. You really don't get. A huge opportunity to to train your group on on different right. things you're kind of just playing games and recovering and and then right. getting ready for a next opponent really quickly so i i think what's been nice about the winter and what will be nice about the spring is the just and what's been nice so far is just training our group and we've right. been able to do team sessions and functional group sessions and and really kind of start to see what our group could look like in the fall and i think those spring games will be really valuable in you know throwing a couple different formations and and seeing wow. how we look and and what what we're great at and what we need to work on and so that that's really a val- this is really a valuable time for us
0: right well and you mentioned it's it's kind of like how much training time do you have to implement new concepts or even correct for things that are drifting or whatever. And it's just, it's almost impossible. I think two really interesting examples for the squad from the fall. And this is, by the way, this is the part of the show where I pretend to talk about tactics and then you have to correct for the things I say that are incorrect. So for, for viewers who are not used to this, this is where I pretend to know about soccer and then Aaron has to correct right afterwards. So there was, I thought it was really interesting that throughout the fall, like really early on in the year, there used to be these big gaps between the lines sort of um, vertically, like the, you might see a big, you know, defense and holding mid gap between the rest of the the front you know group or whatever you would see these groups between the mids and I own defenders at some point talked about it's in in part their job to push up and follow the attackers and those kind of things and I thought that improved a ton over the course of the fall like I I don't remember seeing those monster gaps between the lines vertically but I did keep noticing the the we were seeing a lot of wide players get like what I would describe as hyper sucked in where the player on the right is actually so far in, they're actually almost to the left. And so it was, it was funny to see the things that seemed sort of easier for the players to progress versus the things that sort of were stickier, but were there, were there things for you that just are easier to train out when you have, you know, more weeks and months versus the things where it's like week to week, how do you possibly change something that's so ingrained or something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it just—I think they played a, a really different style last spring, right. and we were playing a two front in an entirely different way. So I think
0: right. a lot of
1: times it just takes match time and and training, and you know, it's never a quick fix. I mean, you never want to see big gaps in your team. So I'm right. glad we saw improvement in that. Um, but I I think I think for us it was just can we stay connected as a whole group? And, right. and at the beginning, I, that we probably didn't do a great job of that, but we did grow and and get mm-hmm. a little better. And, and now it's just, again, lots of lots of training and lots of film right. on positional awareness and you know, how, how we defend as a team and where we should be when the ball is certain places. And I, I think we'll, we'll hopefully see a group that, feels kind of comfortable coming in and out of different formations and and understands their role.
0: Right. Well, and you know, I think one thing in terms of sort of players understanding their role, I think one thing that really stuck out early on, and I was hearing from players, even when they were on a show or randomly or whatever that, you know, your communication style is probably the first thing that people talk about, that you're very transparent, you're very upfront, you're, there's no there's no games, like you are just clear in your communication with players. And one of those clear sort of expectations that you set for players, or at least we kept hearing about, was, you know, you you earn your game time in practice. You, you show what you're able to do in practice, and that proves to us that we should give you more opportunity in game. And a couple of players that seem to really sort of either either take that on and then and then earn their way into a field or or else maybe by random chance, ended up having more of a chance on the field. One is obviously uh, Raylan Baker, who, who came on, and I don't think fans really got to see, I think, at all last spring. And then sort of there was a last couple minutes of extra time moment where Raylan got in. And then, you know, by midway through the season, I was just like obsessively talking about Raylan just because, his combination play, his ability to just take any junk ball sent at him and just direct it down to a teammate, whatever. Um, So it seemed like, you know, Raylan Baker really, you know, took on a larger role as the season went on. And then, you know, Sadie Harper seemed somewhat similar of maybe didn't see major, major minutes, the very first and second game or whatever fans remember, but then clearly had, you know, a spot in the rotation. So, you know, either about them or just other players talk about that progression of sort of players getting more comfortable and then growing their role and sort of what that did for the program.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think some of it, anytime you have a new coach come in, it's also like, I'm getting a feel for them and they're getting right. a feel for me. And so right. I think some, some student athletes probably do that at different speeds. Right. Um, And I think as we got comfortable, if I, as I got more and more comfortable with Sadie and Ryland, Raylan, um yeah. I think I think they got more comfortable with me, and we just right. believed in each other. And I think you saw their minutes kind of climb mm-hmm. as that belief was climbing. Um, right. But certainly, both players had a tremendous impact on some of our games, and mm-hmm. you know, I I think. Are, are key contributors for us. So I mm-hmm. think I'm really excited that they're back and going to be on the field for us. And um, hopefully their co- confidence continues to grow.
0: Mm-hmm. And you and we, you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, there were moments in the season, I don't think it ever got like a ton of attention. I, we certainly, I didn't cover it in super in-depth, but there were so many random things that made the rotation like hard to manage. And so almost like bonkers level, like game to game silliness. Like, I think we have said on a show before, like Kenzie Langdock missed three games because even though she was fully vaccinated, she happened to get a breakthrough case. And so she's out a few games. Kaya Harper is playing a bunch in the middle. Eventually she has an injury. You know, I think the very last game of the year is when like Abby Franzen in warmups, then like is unable to play, which is just these like crazy things that were not really like an in, well, and I guess the last exhibition game before the regular season, Alana Dressley just, you know, Oh, season ending injury, you know, so all of these wild cards and it made for a pretty tight rotation, you know, just because of those situations. Cause even if you want, quote unquote, wanted to use a player, they may not be available for those three games or those eight games or whatever the stretch or all season. But it also seemed like, you know, I went back and tried to see, you know, how you treated rotations back at DePaul and all those things. And it seems like you have used tight tight ish rotations before too, you know, in, in the sunshine and rainbows version of last season or this season, do you have sort of a nice number you like to stick to in terms of, man, if it fits perfect, you know, only having a few subs so players can get in a rhythm? Or how do you balance those dynamics of sort of wanting to have fresh legs slash multiple options slash whatever, but then also give players a chance to like get on a roll?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's challenging. I mean, I think I have probably always had pretty tight rotations, um, especially, you know, the back four, we kind of just keep the right. back four as we go. But I think, I'm really looking forward to being able to have a deeper rotation with our front six Um, just because the big 10, as you saw this year, I mean, top to bottom, it's tight. And I think you saw a lot of different results that could have gone either way. And, you know, so I think given that it's nice to have, players that maybe don't have to expend 90 minutes on a Thursday and 90 minutes on a Sunday or 110 minutes or whatever it happens to be where you can kind of say, Hey, 60 and 75 or 60 and 60. So certainly I anticipate our group being in a better position from that perspective going into next year. And we did have random things happen this fall. I think you know, COVID has brought on right. a whole new set of challenges for coaches and you kind of just roll with it, right. um, you know, and then on top of the COVID stuff we had just, yeah, just, you know, the Abby thing at the end of the year was totally random in the warmup. And, right. um, but, you know, we had lots of other players step up in those moments and, and yeah. so grateful that they were able to kind of step in and fill a role when we needed them to.
0: Right, right. When well, t- I'll take a quick break now just to let folks know this week's episode is brought to you by Pence Homes. It's scrolling on the bottom because that's how professional we are, Aaron. You know that. Pence Homes is a real estate team with Keller Williams. I personally have experience working with Nate and Lydia. I'm sitting in a home that they helped me buy last fall, um, and they helped us sell our home as well. Nate is a big supporter of the local soccer community, including as a community owner of Minnesota Aurora. Um We, My wife and I also enjoyed working with them, their preferred lenders, Angie Shear and Luminate Financing. They were super responsive for all the random offers we had to put in. Aaron, I'm sure when you got to move back and buy a home in the Twin Cities during the housing market, I'm sure that was a real party. Tons of fun to have to do that in this market. Yeah. Um, So super responsive financier is helpful. If any viewers or listeners have questions about buying, selling, needing home improvement stuff, check them out at pencehomes.com. You can find them on Twitter, Pence Homes, um, they are tagged right there. And so, Aaron, I know I talked to you about this maybe in a post-game, random post-game interview um, at some point, but, you know, you've had multiple stints in the Big Ten. You obviously played for the Gophers, so so you have that stint. But, you know, as an assistant uh, for Northwestern, you know, all of those things, what are, you know, how did the league, and you've had so much time to reflect and you lived through that whole season, you know, what are some things that Uh, maybe surprise you? And what are some things where you're like, oh, I forgot that this is just what it's like all the time, like something you knew and happened to blank out on? Because you're like, oh, I got to escape to the Big East. But now I remember this crap from the Big Ten.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think just, I think that what I remember being a player and what still seems to be the case now is just every game is going to be a battle. And there's really no breathing room, whether you're supposedly picked in the top three or you're not i think um this year in particular there there were just uh, there was just a ton of parody and Mm -hmm. i think that's such a fun conference to be a part of right because you know it's going to be about whose preparation is the best and um who's the best on that given day and I think all the big 10 teams are pulling in lots of talent with their recruiting classes and with their transfers. And we have some new coaches in the league. So it's really, it seems like an exciting time to be in the big 10. And I think the other piece is just big 10 cares about women's soccer. And, you know, we're on big 10 plus or the big 10 network. And I think they're constantly looking to do features on our players or on coaches and, I think that kind of uh support has been has been really encouraging to see
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's i mean i it's it's you mentioned like the margins and what makes the margin and what impacts the margin is so funny because i think the gophers in my time covering them have always had some element of sort of playing to the opponent of like when it's a bigger opponent they can get up and when it's one that you're quote unquote favored in sometimes they play down and there was elements of that this year, but that's, I think that's true, frankly, of like most sports, like it's just human like mentality, but this, your, your squad in the fall, I personally felt showed a higher ceiling than I think I've maybe ever seen. Like when the team was at their best, it was almost like absurdly good and fun. Like, to like, I, I felt like I had run out of words to describe like the team of like in the Penn state game when it's, four goals in the Ohio State game when it's four goals and the what the goals are themselves and sort of just like are you kidding me level territory like I don't remember having moments like that um previously to that same degree so it's it's funny to think about sort of that made me my curiosity go so wild i'm like holy shit if they're showing like this like what is possible for this squad and then obviously the tough games down the end but that high ceiling was sort of bonkers and i don't know if it felt You've had so many squads, you know, tops, top big E schools at at DePaul, you know, really successful runs down there, and really long stretch of success down there. Was there anything about this team that felt sort of different to you, or have you once you've been through it so many times, is it sort of like, well, I kind of felt like this in 2013, and there, you know, is, is it, you know, was there anything sort of specifically unique, or was it only unique because my specific window of this team is only five years long?
1: Well, I think, I think the ceiling and we talk about it almost every day, the ceiling for this group is really high. Mm -hmm. And I think you did see that in, in performances this past fall. And then, and then you saw some inconsistencies that, you know, we're identifying what that's from and how do we, how do we keep ourselves closer to that ceiling on a very consistent basis? But, you know, certainly I, I was, I was talking to them, I think last week at training saying um, we saw those outstanding performances and that's great. But, you know, we, we have to find a way to strive to be really, really more consistent going into next fall. And they know that. So I think, but I, I think you're spot on with the ceiling. I think, I mean, anytime you're scoring lots of goals and able to beat top opponents, you know, the ceiling is, is pretty high and, and that's really exciting. And especially knowing that we're going hi- to kind of have a veteran group back to right. kind of hopefully propel us to to be that more consistent group and and bring that. I almost think they surprise themselves sometimes. Yeah. And so now they have the expectation of, a, of a OK, wait, like we can do that and we can consistently be that. And so right. now that's the standard, that's the expectation, and and that's what we'll be working toward now until August.
0: Right. Right. Well, and it's and once you have the the very fun, bitter taste in your mouth of sort of how the how the year ended, it's also a good motivator of like, listen, if we could if we could play like we played against Ohio State and Penn State, those last five games shouldn't have happened or whatever. You know, you have it all of a yeah. sudden in your head of like, we know what we can do. So we better not have to deal with what we dealt with again, you know, like the absurdity of like the game in Purdue or whatever. I shouldn't even be allowed to bring it up or whatever. The most heartbreaking. Yeah, that's games. the worst one. That's the worst. <laughs> well, and so Aaron, this is the part of the show which I know you will love, which is where I talk about how much people love you, and you just have to sit on <laughs> camera well. And so this this is great. Um, You know, but players really, jokes aside, players really have responded to your coaching style and, you know, how you lead the program. I also think one side thing I would mention is a space that I don't have a lot of access to is sort of the coaching community in and of itself, sort of the time you spent on, I think you mentioned to me once you were on the, you know, the committee that helps do the selection for NCAA tournament, all of those spaces that sort of are not super visible to non-coaches, but are like a whole world that you spend a lot of time in. Back channeling through that, I get so much, you know, positive um, things about you. It's been fun to meet a lot of alums from your era. Like having Mickey on the show and telling yeah. stories about you is just like the most fun. Um, but I think you know if anything, players have said things on these shows that viewers have seen, but even off camera, their feedback is even more strongly positive. And I'm curious from your perspective, sort of both what you think, you know, players best respond to from you, you know, what you focus on trying to be good at in those, in that role as a the head of a program, but also you've had so many stops. Or I shouldn't say so many, you've had several stops in your coaching career. I'm curious from you, you know, where you tried to pull certain things, you know, when you are at Santa Clara or when you're at Northwestern or whatever it may be, you know, what you try to pull in. Because in my opinion, the very rough way to think of it is usually I hear coaches talk about implementing things they liked or avoiding things they hated. Like it's, that seems too binary to say, but it seems like that's kind of how it breaks down. But from your perspective, you know, how have you tried to build that coaching philosophy so that players do respond in the ways that you want?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think my biggest focus is always just honest communication, honest feedback, and making sure our group always knows that we're on the same team and we want the same things. And, right. and that's me, you know, wanting to work really hard so that players within our program reach their potential and so that the teams that we're coaching every year reach their potential. So I, I really think, I strive to be a really honest communicator, and I think the players appreciate that because they want to be their best, that right. they're here be, because they want to represent Minnesota. They want to be the best version of themselves every day. So it's my job to help them get there. And and the only way we do that is by having honest conversations, whether it's, hey, you you know, you, it just wasn't your day today and, and here's what didn't go well. and. I know you're going to be better next time. And so I think, I think that, and then I also just think um, I really do believe in our group and I do think they feel that, and I hope they feel that every day at training and in our games. And, and I think I feel really fortunate to have this role at -hmm. Minnesota. And I think it's such an honor and privilege to play for this program. And I, I just, i am thankful every day to be here. And I, and I know they feel that because I, I, I just ha- feel like our staff has a ton of energy at training and we're really excited to get to work every day. And, um, I don't think that's super common. So yeah. I feel really fortunate. So I, I hope our, our team feels that from me. And then in terms of, in terms of, I mean, I've been really fortunate with who I have worked for. Um, we, I was doing a podcast with, Kendra and Sherry Ballard. And one of the, one of the questions was, you know, what's the most important advice you would give someone either trying to get into coaching or trying, you know, to get into whatever industry is, is their dream. And my feedback was just the people that you choose to, to work for and work with. And Mm -hmm. I really stand by that. I mean, I, my introduction to coaching was Marsha McDermott, who, Anyone who knows Marsha knows what a great coach she is, what a great person she is, how inspirational she is. And and then I worked for Jerry at Santa Clara, who obviously is coming off a national championship and then another Final Four run. And from a, from a tactical perspective and a technical perspective, I think that's where I probably drew the most of my soccer I guess, soccer coaching knowledge, um, how to run great team training sessions, w- what kind of communication players needed to hear in certain moments. So I think I tried to pull those things from those coaches. And then I obviously am going to always have my own style. Yeah. Um, but I think really fortunate with who I've worked for and who I've had the chance to learn from.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm curious from your perspective, from like even your playing days of, I think one thing that you don't ever speak to when I ask you questions like this, I feel like I ask you this question, like every time I speak to you about like, how do you, the last question I just asked you, I've probably asked you 10 times. And the thing you never respond with is sort of talking about is you never talk about the things that you don't do, because that would be a silly way to answer. But like the things that I hear about from other coaches that are maybe less, uh, well-liked or maybe have more drama associated is the things like playing games like mentally or just like messing like oh don't tell players that make them show up and and not understand or like or coaches who say like you're supposed to yell at players once in a while because you you know you need to like scream at them once in a while so that they're like on their toes or something like the sort of gamesmanship of it I'm curious from your playing days is there anything you did experience that you like you took that and you and now, you know, well, that, I didn't appreciate that as a player. So I'm going to avoid, you know, from your playing days versus the coaching days.
1: Gosh, no, I had such great coaches. Um, and I mean, Sue is a great example who was my coach at Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, she was really young when she was my, I think she was 26. Wow. she coached me. So super close to in our age, but right. Sue was very honest. So I, I mean, I never had coaches play games with me. I I know coaches like that and I right. know what environment that is like and that I don't want that to be a part of our environment ever. Right. Um so I think from my perspective I think it's more I'm a mom. I have two daughters and if they're part of a team, I want their coach to be really honest with them so that right. they know what they, what their role is. They know what they have to get better at, Mm -hmm. and they are able to hopefully reach their potential. And so I think that's helped me kind of evolve as a coach, maybe, and understand that we just really need to be honest with the players in our environment.
0: Well and, and speaking of your honesty I did the pe- by the way people are frighteningly not willing to share absurd stories about you Aaron I love that I love I, that we need all all viewers watching now we need more I need more juice on Aaron okay there's got to be funnier stuff you can give me I need to throw some random crap at Aaron but the one the one fun anecdote I did get this time other than Mickey during her show mentioning that you guys basically like raced each other around campus when you hosted her on her yeah, transfer visit. Yeah, we did. Um, the, the one good thing I got from a player and that players found really funny last fall, like getting to know your style and all those things, was just how matter-of-factly and how frequently, if you're watching film, player does something they're not supposed to do, where you just use sort of the phrase straight face and just be like, don't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep. I do say that. I think I yep. have some phrases. Don't do, that. <laughs> don't do that is one of my phrases.
0: And, um, they, and they they very much enjoyed it. And I I had so many follow up questions about like, is she just offering that as commentary while the tape rolls? Sort of like keeping a running list of don't do that as the game goes on? Or is it more like a stop and say don't do that? So I guess we need to hear about your film comment strategy at this point
1: yeah i don't i don't know what my i again i'm as i'm watching i am a very honest person and i'm very upfront so as i'm watching it's just kind of don't do that we need to be better there um but i again that's my style and and i also can laugh at myself so i'm like oh my gosh like did i just say that but um but i think the nice thing about this group is Again they want that information. They want to do things correctly. Right. So how are they going to know if if they're, you know, if I don't tell them, "Hey, this isn't how we want to do this here in this moment." Mm-hmm. Then they're, you know, how are they going to get better? So they, oh. I I do think they appreciate that.
0: So it's almost like a reflex. It's like you think it, you say it. Like I see something that shouldn't be happening. Don't do that. Yep. Don't do that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. I I feel like we have a good grasp. So that's good because we need to as fans, we don't get to see the film room. So we need to, I think we can now picture it.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and speaking of, um, uh, speaking of you, like just, you know, when you're watching something, you have the, you have the thought about it. It's going through your head. You watch so many games. I'm actually super curious how you, if there's any soccer and what soccer you sort of like to watch or find time to watch outside of the insane job that is leading like This program. Like you're like leading leading the a college program is a bonkers job. Like people just really need to understand how bonkers that position is. You also have super busy young kids who are constantly doing stuff, whatever. So I I don't even know if you ever have time to like watch soccer just as a thing to watch, but I'm curious if you do, do you try to get stuff out of it? Do you try to just enjoy it? Or can you sort of not turn off your brain and you're sort of always clocking things? Like
1: I think it's a mix. I, right. I, I do watch soccer. I watch a lot of soccer, whether it's right. Premier League, whether it's some MLS, US right. team, right. Um, my daughter's team. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think it's, it's a mix of like, it's really fun to watch. I love the sport. I love watching right. how different coaches are on the sideline. I love watching how they interact with players or what they say at halftime, mm-hmm. kind of their evaluation of their team's performance and then watching different formations and, and how teams flow in and out of those formations. So I, I think I'm always trying to learn a little bit, but also right. have that enjoyment factor of, you know, what a great goal. And this is just fun to be a fan. So, right. um, and I hope I can find a way to do that. Watching my daughter play soccer, just be a fan. Something You know, I, I was at one of her games, I think a couple weeks ago, and she's kind of, my youngest is a defender. And I was like, "Step, like block the shot. And I, I mean, I said it and then I'm like, Oh, I'm not supposed to say anything. So <laughs> hopefully I can just be a fan.
0: Well, I, that is, I mean, especially cause if your daughters play, like that's kind of almost an impossible situation for you to be. And it's like, well, wait a second. I'm like not allowed to say anything about soccer. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> I is, think that's really hard just because out of habit, obviously. Right. I, I'm coaching on a sideline, but right. my older daughter has kind of narrowed in on volleyball, right. which is perfect for me. Cause I know nothing about volleyball. So actually being a fan yeah. for her games is a lot more relaxing. Cause I'm, just, I'm like, well, I don't really know anything. So great job.
0: You can just cheer. Like go. All right. Go Harper. Go. Yeah. Woo. Let's, let's do it. Let's absolutely keep playing volleyball doing that. <laughs> woo. I, I will say, um, I will say, Aaron and and Chad has offered himself to come on the the program multiple times. He's he said he's available. Don't
1: do it. Don't do, do it.
0: <laughs> I do. I have heard from random um, fans who go to Gopher games once in a while. They'll be like, "Who's that guy like up on top? Who's yeah. you know who's?" And someone will be like, "Oh, that's yeah, that's Aaron's husband. He's just cheering. He's just yeah. he's just ready to he's rock."
1: Cheering or yelling at the ref or sure. you know, and he's got a loud voice.
0: Yes. He does i can i can validate that i can verify that for sure yeah. so so even more serious aaron than your personal soccer viewing habits we need to get into following up about paddle tennis yeah so, and i and i think i'm saying that the actual yeah soccer.
1: platform tennis i haven't played and i mean i haven't played since i've been in minnesota
0: We have, aaron we t- we talked all the way back in july whenever it was you said platform tennis was your game we even then found out as i rightfully assumed that if any place in minnesota had this sport it would be yz your stomping grounds they, so that,
1: yeah they do have it i think i'm just short on time on I know. leisure time so hopefully right. um hopefully this winter i'll get out on the courts a little bit
0: and i will say i'm selfishly asking cuz i've never seen the game played so it's i'm so fun. it's so fun Right. And well, and if I really want to embarrass myself, I would go out and play against you and we would let people see that. That would be it wouldn't be close. That
1: would be interesting. Maybe we could be <laughs> partners and play someone else, but
0: Oh. That's well you being willing to do that is probably the nicest thing you've ever offered. That would be a big burden <laughs> for you. That would be a big burden for you for sure. I'm I'm very far from my game shape. I haven't right. been in soccer shape in a long time. So only, only one more for you, Aaron, as you mentioned, there's not a ton of free time. So I do not want to keep you too much longer. Uh, not a ton of free time in your life. I have also heard that you absolutely love celebrations after goals. You are, you are big into this. And so I am very curious, are we, is the level of love so high that we're talking like allowed to spend some time on this in training? Or is this supposed to be personal time on top? And you no, just-
1: no I, so I think no time in training on so <laughs> absolutely not. Um, but you can kind of see in my office like that um, all those celebration pictures. Yeah, I think that those are just my favorite moments because yeah. everybody worked really hard for a moment, and seeing our group so happy and being able to celebrate is something I just—it's just really, really rewarding for me. So right. I think um, I think hopefully we'll always celebrate and scoring is hard. So you should celebrate that.
0: Well, there's, I will tell you, there's, there's no one more than gopher fans who understands how lean goal scoring a season can be. Anyone, anyone who lived through the 2019 season where I think the team scored 10 goals the whole year, I, I will tell you, it was actually very hard to follow the team that year because goals do just make things easier they like as a fan as a whatever so and and as you mentioned those celebration pictures it's hard to not look at them and smile like it's hard to not like feel joy yourself seeing those celebrations but this is aaron did not endorse this but i will tell players directly work on some celebrations get your sellies on i we will we will share it everywhere we will hype you up do, get some interesting stuff going, and obviously, all the players watch every show. Of course, we know that. Yeah, of we we know that. But Aaron, thank you so much. We already took too much of your time. Uh Really appreciate you. We're in spring season now, and I'm assuming maybe there will be some games that folks can go to. Maybe not because the yeah, don't.
1: no, there will be. Um, I yeah. think we have a couple. We'll we'll release the schedule soon. I I know we have Iowa State at home, and then I yeah. think we have. North Dakota State and St. Thomas at home oh, and then nice. we'll travel to Kansas and we'll travel to Creighton. So that's kind of our spring slate. You're only allowed the five days of competition. Yeah. But um, so definitely some a chance to to kind of get out and see some new faces and see the group and and see how we look. But um, certainly thanks for having me on. I, I think you do such a great job of being an advocate for our team and program and also all the other soccer in the state, which it seems like it's just a really exciting time to be a fan in Minnesota, whether it's for, you know, the new team that, you know, you'll have Sarah on next or whether it's for our team. I think Mm -hmm. just lots of, lots of good things happening for soccer in the state.
0: Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, it's the thing where once you realize you have the opportunity to follow these teams. I don't know how someone could start and then ever go back. It's like the, the Gophers are such a blast to follow. The players and you all as coaches are such a blast. And as you said, all the summer league teams, you know, Aurora starting, but WPSL teams, everything is just so fun. Um, so yeah, thank you for coming on. And viewers, we, we just heard five spring games. We need to get ready. We need to see who's going to take that that right back spot from Kenzie Langdock we need to see who's going to fall into play tons of info for us so thanks so much Aaron, for being here
1: yeah thanks a lot